Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome back to another installment of Battle Red Radio. I'm your host, Colt Molesky. And guess what? I'm back, folks. I am back from my hiatus and joining Corey DLJ, my co-host and producer, Nico. Boys, it's good to be back. I'm, I'm sure you missed me. I'm sure you missed me on my trip. Obviously, yeah, of course. Uh, oh, oh, was he gone? I thought he was gone, but maybe he wasn't. Are you sure you were gone, Colton? <laughs> if you guys were still talking to me the entire time I was gone, that actually that you want that actually might be a little more heartwarming than sad honestly <laughs> i was here in spirit the whole time and then you would say nothing and we were like man colton is still insulted from a comment earlier and then we would just move on and then we would just <laughs> he All is right. just boxing us out sometimes we would make fun of you we'd be like riveting radio colton riveting uh hot take and then we would uh this is the first we've noticed you've been gone just a week of roasting me with no response. Yeah, don't listen to those episodes if you're having a down day. Like, just – you can take those episodes off. You know what? I uh, honestly – I respect it. I respect it. But, no, I'm, I'm back from Italy. I, I I think maybe I should return to Europe, actually, because while I was gone, the, the Texans had their first win of the season. I don't know if Europe was the good luck or if maybe I brought it back over with me. We'll see after the bye week, but – uh, it was an eventful week while I'm gone, and now I'm happy to be back during a down week and, and talking a little Texans football with you guys. Uh, and from the week that they had, I know that the game might have been a slog during parts, but an eventful week for, for you guys here back in the States to be able to cover the first win of the season for the Texans. Yeah, we got to take a really great victory lap there on Monday. We got to really bathe in it. Um and what you weren't there for uh, is that I correctly predicted the win, too, which made it even sweeter. Uh, we were doing our picks on Friday's show, that Friday. Uh, I correctly took the under. And instead of even saying the Texans to cover the plus seven, I said take the money line. The Texans are winning this weekend. So I'm a genius. I love that. I love the confidence. I mean – the the plus seven. Yeah, the plus seven. Yeah. Pretty pretty easy. Pretty easy to take. But the the money line pick, I love it. I love the confidence. Colton, I'm nothing if not a genius. And I'm nothing if not a confident genius. So <laughs> I'm given the opportunity to combine those two. You get what is basically the greatest co host in the history of Battle Red Radio. So there you go. Uh, no comment. I'm not gonna hurt feelings on my first show back. I'll just go. With, <laughs> I'll just go with no comment. Uh, speaking of of the the Texans and their success, you know, one person would like to see them go a little further, and that will bring us to news of the day. You have the general manager Nick Casario for the Texans. He had some comments 
this week. This was yesterday talking about how he wants to see this this offense continue to improve. Uh, this was via Yahoo Sports. He says that uh, he wants to see them play better on third down, get better scoring the football, get better offensively just overall. But being able to. What do you what do you think when you hear this? Are are you thinking that, uh, you know, there's there's truth to that, or are you just saying you know maybe mentioning everything that they're bad at is a little obvious as opposed to citing where they're better at and maybe some things they need to pick up because they do need to get better on third down. But then him saying they need to score more, they need to get better in the red zone. That's just kind of all the stuff they need to get better at. They also need to get better at winning. They also need a better quarterback play. Uh, where do you cross the line into stating the obvious if you're the general manager? Well, honestly, if we're being truthful, a lot of general managers don't state the obvious. When you hear a lot of press conferences from general managers, they don't want to tell you um, what's actually wrong. So to hear someone who works for the Texans in an important position say things like, we're not scoring enough, we're not doing our job in the red zone. You A lot of times, uh, after games, you'll hear coaches at press conferences say, we got to get more effective in the red zone. we got to do this better. we got to do that better. I would have liked to have seen more rushing yards here. But then when, when, that, when that press conference is over and the game is over and they've moved on to next week, they don't really talk about that stuff ever again. So to hear Nick Casario really get into it and say, like, man, here's the shopping list. And while it is long, there's a lot to work out there. Uh, growing up, my, my stepdad was a contractor. He had his own business. He did commercial construction. And there was something called a punch list. Before you could finish a job and get paid uh, the rest of the balance of your contract, you had to finish the punch list to the satisfaction of the person who was running the job. The punch list would have all the little things on it, all the things you needed to do to finish a job. I like hearing a long list, even in a bad situation like what we're in as the Texans roster rebuild goes, because it means we are looking at things and trying to address them and we're evaluating if we're getting better or getting worse at all of these things because there will come a time when the punch list is empty and we're in playoff runs and we're making deep runs and we're trying to win Super Bowls and we're talking about being competitive on a national level and not competitive in a week-to-week -week level. And I, I, I think it's a good thing to hear him talk like this. I, I, like, I like the idea of having a, a punch list for the Texans team. And – his comments too brought up a good point of just how this team handles offensive drives and how this team has trouble sustaining drives. You go back to last week's win in a win. They had five drives that went under 25 yards. They gained under 25 yards on five different offensive drives. And you look at this season on the whole, they really struggle as far as, getting long sustained drives, getting drive. I mean, you look at their red zone percentage as far as scoring in the red zone. It's pretty middle of the road, but their red zone attempts dead last in the NFL. They've had 10 red zone attempts. Their third down conversion percentage is uh, second to last at 29.2%. Only the Carolina Panthers are worse. Their average plays per, uh, per drive. Average plays per drive, second in the league, 5.2. Their uh, time 
the time of their average drive is in the bottom half of the league at 232. I mean, they just have a problem getting drives going and keeping drives going. And so when you look at their offense, maybe that is what you have to focus on instead of focusing on, oh, they need to address maybe the lack of receivers or the inconsistencies at tight end or the fact that they don't have a, a stable tight end to turn to or maybe offensive line trouble or quarterback play. Maybe it's more of the the meat and bones of, of an offense. Basically, what are the plays you're running? How are you constructing a drive? And how do you get these things off the ground and more consistently before you can even look at individual pieces, what is the what is wrong with the whole of this offense? Why can't we get stay on the field and keep our defense on the best the bench resting? Maybe that's what you need to look at if you're this Texans team and if you're the offensive side of the football. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I would I would agree with all that. Those stats are brutal. I think if you're if you're running a football team, you want as much data as possible. So if I was a general manager, I would imagine I would have some kind of whiteboard up with all of these stats from as many different places as I can get them, as much data as possible. Things you're talking about, too. Length of drives, third down conversion rates, all of this stuff. And I would want a beginning of the season, and I would want a week-to-week comparison type thing. Last week, this week, kind of. And then also, so by week 8, I'm comparing the beginning of the year to week 8 and week 7 to week 8. And I want to see improvements against both, right? Um, and now if somewhere dips, I would definitely go back and look at what that was. And I would try and be seeing as just as much as many numbers and as much data as possible. But we don't need it because we've got the eye test. And the reality is what we see on the field right now isn't all that impressive. Upside, if you're looking for a silver lining, because this is getting pretty <laughs> dark as far as coming off of a win and looking at this team as a whole. But if you're looking for a silver lining, it is that they have been able to show improvement in certain areas. Well, I, think, I, think I mean, we you look at every, how every they week. ran the ball in week one versus how they've run the ball the last couple of weeks. They are able yeah, to get better in, in areas. every category. In most categories, they're probably performing better. I haven't seen a lot of steps backwards. What I have seen is small, gradual improvements. You're right. The running game, week one was terrible. Week two, it was not good. But but now coming into the bye week, last week it was okay. You know? Um, and, and, and that kind of improvement, it does take time. The Washington Redskins, in what was a clunker of a Thursday night that they did just win, um, they were on their sixth iteration of their offensive line. Now, here's what I – if I'm a fan of the Washington Redskins and the season's gone as bad as it has, I think they, this is only their second win of the year. But I hear that they are shuffling the offensive line every game. I'm thrilled because they're at least trying stuff with what they have to see what works, to see who's playing at the right positions, to see who's performing, to see who we got to move on from. And then when it's not – when we're out of options, then we could do something else. So I, you want to see your team experimenting and trying things and doing stuff. When when the center, uh, what was his name? Because he hasn't come back yet, has he? Uh, the center who stepped away for us, the uh, for the Texans. When he stepped away for a second, we were 
concerned about our O-line because we thought it was barely functioning with him in it. But then Questenberry comes in, and he looks he looks okay. They're doing all right. That left side of the line is doing pretty good. As a matter of fact, I read an article in that someone posted in Reddit that was talking about how Titus Howard and um, the other tackle are rated amongst the top ten at their positions. One of them is even rated fourth. So suddenly you're seeing that we're doing okay. We're, we're not – listen, the ship is still taking on water. We're still in uh, – there's still a lot of things going wrong. However, if this were a dramatic movie like Captaining a Submarine, in the beginning we got rocked by a lot of depth charges and all the little red lights are flashing and people are screaming and there's smoke and there's fire in an engine room. But now we're like a third of the way into the movie – the fire might still be going on, but someone's reporting that it's doing that we're we're going to be able to get it under control here soon. Some of the red lights are now blinking okay, and the smoke has really kind of died out. Like things are getting a little bit better as we go, and I think that that's something to be aware of and be excited about for the future of this team. But I don't I I do want to caution it with the GM is not wrong. There is a long list of things that we need to get better at. Yeah, and it's it's you mentioned those incremental improvements. I think when you're saying incremental improvements, it's not like like Davis Mills getting better. I don't think means him going out and throwing for 350 yards. I think it's him going out and like you saw against the Jaguars, they didn't have any fumbles. Not because there's been a lot of games where right. he's had several fumbles and offensive linemen have been able to jump on, but his pocket awareness seemed a little better in the last game to where he's not get, cause even if you fumble and recover it, you're still likely setting up behind the sticks then on that down and you're getting down behind the sticks. So stuff like that, I think uh, makes the difference. And is those when you're a team that is scratching and clawing to get a few wins on the, on the, the record this season, those are the, the improvements that you're looking for. Not these drastic swings uh, but these little, little things. Exactly. If he goes the next six games and has maybe just one fumble, then we're, we're, we can look back and we can say, okay, we added ball control to Davis Mills' skills, right? Like we can say, okay, now he's not fumbling the ball. And that can be, you know, that's, that's what we kind of need to build on. There's something you touched on there that we haven't really talked about that I'll kind of briefly kind of explain for people is uh, in coach speak, they call it staying on schedule. Uh, you know, when you are in a first down situation, you want to gain at least three yards, no matter what you do. If you go first and 10 and then go second and 10, you're now quote unquote behind schedule. You still need to gain 10 yards. And now you have one hole less play to do it with. Then if you go second and you go to throw it and it's incomplete or whatever happens, whatever, whatever. Now it's third and 10. You are behind the sticks. You're way behind schedule. The defense is now free to blitz because they know you more than likely have to throw it if you're trying for a first down. And it changes all the play calling for everyone, offense and defense. So when you're fumbling in the back of the pocket and it goes from first and 10 to second and 16, you set your team way, way back. And some of these Davis Mills mistakes, while they won't show up in a stat sheet where you go, look, he threw for 280 yards, he completed 12 of 20 passes, and he didn't have any interceptions. So what are you mad about? And you go, okay, but he had a, a crucial fumble in the fourth quarter that killed a drive that let the other team score, you know, get better field position to kick a field goal. Like, there are things that matter that don't show up in those stat sheets that are things that we can clean up. Uh, and one of those is 
yeah, him not fumbling the ball. You're right. That that you go all the way back to the Colts game where he had that costly fumble in the fourth quarter that they didn't get that the Colts got, and it led to one of the. It was either it led to either the touchdown or the field goal, one of the two that helped tie it up. And that's that was part of the problem is we were giving them the ball with great field position in the fourth quarter while they were on a roll and we weren't. So it is incremental stuff like that, cleaning those things up that help make us a better team. So then if if you're looking, so we've kind of diagnosed the problem of not sustaining drives, needing to get into the red zone more, needing to uh, elongate some of these offensive series, need to do better on third down, uh, needing to stretch your time possession a little bit, all, all this stuff, just building healthier drives. If that's the diagnosis, of kind of what the root of this offense that is really struggling to score. They're one of the, the worst teams scoring as far as an offense is concerned in the NFL. Uh, what What's your solution? I, I feel like it the, the root of the solution is just more creativity, almost Kyle Shanahan-like creativity in the run game and finding more ways to get the, the oh, ball into Pierce's hands. Because I don't know – if I don't think the receivers, the receiving core is strong enough, and Davis Mills isn't good enough to be like, well, we just need to be better in the passing game and get better as a passing team. I just don't think that's ever going to happen. No, so actually, I would go the other way. I would say we need to be a little bit simpler in the running game uh, because it seems to, because honestly, what we really need to be doing is putting a fullback and a tight end in the backfield with Pierce and then running up the left side of the line. And just hammering it over and over and over again. Almost gave him um, like a, we, a Tennessee Titans. Like we're just going to build towards the fourth yeah. quarter when you're really gassed after all of this, this running. We should be using Damian Pierce almost like a Derrick Henry clone for right now, for this season, because we don't have a lot of other weapons. And I don't feel like it's really hurting him that much for him to run that hard uh, through four quarters because it doesn't seem to bother him yet. He hasn't. His runs are still strong in the fourth quarter. It's the defense that seems to kind of tire out. So let's just run on the left side of the line. Let's just or or use those guys to pull to the other side if we want to move them around, and and let's just really hammer these guys with the run. And if if that means we're looking at a lot of fourth and ones or fourth and twos, run them again, run them again, and run them again. What that should do, the longer you're on the field, if Davis Mills is ever going to grow into the butterfly of a quarterback that some people think he is then the longer they're out there on the field the more chances he has to show that he should stay out on the field you're gonna get in situations where a play action on second down first first down we run for eight yards second and two well now we can do whatever we want in the playbook so let's let's throw a play action in there let's run oj howard along the backside of of the um the line and let's see if we can get him open and throw to him uh, and so let's do things of that nature you know, to surprise them with passing, not with running. Running, hammer it with them. Just, we're going to run. We're definitely going to run. And it's going to be Damian Pierce, and you've got to stop him. Teams haven't shown yet that they can consistently stop Damian Pierce for four quarters. So I would just keep running it until somebody can actually slow him down. Now, granted, when he when he wears down, when he gets hurt, and we got to go to Rex Burkhead, yeah, we got to come up with something else. But right now, Damian Pierce is the nail... This hammer to solve all problems because all problems are nails right now. We just got to stay on the field. Damian Pierce, definitely, whichever route you're going is, is I think, the answer out of some of this stuff for, for the offense. I want to talk a little bit about uh, some things going into 
this bye week where they're just going to be on the couch this weekend, uh, so to speak, uh, that we are looking at as uh, a couple of things, some silver lines as well as some questions that we have. But before we get to that, Corey, could you read some sponsors, please? Absolutely. Uh, it's never a good idea to drink and drive, but what if you had a few beers at the game and you know you're not drunk, but you get pulled over and arrested anyway? You need a law firm that knows how to try DWIs, someone who won't just plead you out quickly. You need a lawyer who has 100 hours of hands-on instruction in the lab learning the sciences used in DWI cases. A lawyer ACS qualified to be designated a lawyer scientist. Because these cases aren't like other kinds of cases. Your positive outcomes may very well depend on who better understands and presents the science at trial. Attorney Brian Asen is a designated lawyer scientist, and the lawyers at Asen Law Firm have successfully tried and won many of these cases. Call Asen Law Firm at 832-209-2297. That's Asen Law Firm at 832-209-2297, or visit DWILawyerHouston.com. Uh, and also let me tell you guys about the latest party to hit the Houston scene, Custom Geek Parties. Everything from corporate team building exercises, geek themed weddings, RPG parties, board game parties, cosplay parties, and more. Call Gamers Inner Circle at 281-746-4260. Gamers Inner Circle at 281-746-4260. Gamers Inner Circle. Are you in yet? All right, back to you, Colton. Corey, going into the bye week, is this the best you feel as far as a group on the the Texans? Do you feel better about any group than the rookies on this team going into the bye week, especially after the last <laughs> couple of weeks of play? I'll, I'll say this. I don't feel better about any group, but I am happy with the performance of some groups. I think our offensive line has performed well, better than expected. I think our defensive line has performed better than expected. But I think our secondary is... Other than the rookies, I think it could use some help. But I think overall our rookies have been the outstanding thing group of players to circle and say, these guys are rocking and rolling. You, you mentioned the, the secondary. The young guys in that secondary, Derek Stingley Jr. had a great game last week. I saw a stat on Twitter that of 24 possible tackles, he has zero missed tackles. Uh, looked really strong in that game after a, a couple rough starts to the season and you, you think about the work really over the last what two three weeks uh from uh Jalen Petrie and the work he's done at safety those two I think are are clear aces that are probably just going to keep getting better and keep sharpening their skills and then if you're looking over uh the expectations that Damian Pierce is already uh starting to live up to these last few weeks if you're looking at the young guys on this team, it doesn't seem like there's there's guys that are are really hurting you with their with their youth. Even uh, Kenyon Green is is playing pretty well on the offensive line. There's just they're they're stepping up like we talked about in the preseason. They're stepping up and they're they're making plays and uh, they're they're guys that are proving that they are they they might not break a game open for you every single game, but they're definitely not going to be the reason you lose, it seems. No, absolutely not. Uh, Petre, I think, has a couple interceptions already for the year as a safety. Uh, Stingley, you know, they talked about the first couple games struggling. I feel we're kind of bad for him for that because the second game is against the, the Broncos, 
where Sutton is just, I mean, a solid eight inches taller than he is. So it's a, it's a, it's a much harder matchup than you would anticipate for a guy having his second game ever in the NFL. And I, and I still want to go back to that, uh, the drive in the first half down at the red zone where they went out of four plays. They went at Stingley twice with Sutton and he held up both times, one swatting the ball away and one forcing Sutton to come down out of bounds for an incomplete pass. So the rookies have been great. Uh, Damian Pierce is just starting to really get going. Who knows what kind of impact he's going to have on the year. If he's not finishing in the top five or 10 of rushing, then we probably didn't use him enough. I mean, that's just no way around it. He's a very talented guy. And, yeah, the secondary has been amazing. And we still haven't even seen Christian Harris, who everyone says is, is a great linebacker. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. I and again we've we've talked about the how this team it really should be building for the future this year. And so if that's your your outlook going into this bye week, if you're kind of highlighting, you know, the the things you're concerned about in your week off versus the things you're loving, you have to be loving the the rookies and the young talent that you have and I think that you're seeing a, a clear picture of kind of who you're you're going to be guided towards in the draft as far as the the must gets in the draft. I mean, quarterbacks on that list, receiving talents on that list, more offensive line depth is on that list. But there you have guys in the secondary. You have guys at running back. You already have some pieces on the offensive line. You've got some guys coming together to help fill holes that you did not have filled going into last year's draft, which is the goal, right? The drafts are you're not going to fix everything in one. They're supposed to build on each other. And so I think you're seeing some of those early pieces already falling into place, which is if you're a team in the Texans position, I think that's a very good thing. Uh, yes and no. I want to caution this. I want to say this because the other day when the, uh, when the Carolina Panthers fired Matt Rule, by the way, the next 48 months, that man is going to make over $800,000 a month for the remainder for 48 months. Good gig if you can get it. Contract. Yeah, that's good work, right? <laughs> um, the owner of the Panthers had said at the start of last season that they were five, maybe six years away from being a competitive team. Here's my problem with that. I kind of alluded to it when we talked about Matt Rule the other day. But now specifically because we're talking about the Texans and the rebuilding and all of that. So this Deshaun Watson draft is is a couple uh, a couple extra draft picks. This Deshaun Watson trade brought us 
uh, what, eight extra draft picks over four years. So while that's going to help us stay young, that doesn't mean we need to be waiting for the fourth draft before we start saying, okay, now we can be good. In the NFL, the average roster, the average roster, turns over a third of its players, so 20-ish players every year. A below-average roster should turn over 35 to 40 players in a year because they should be trying to get better. We should be churning the bad guys off of the roster and trying to get better and better. So two years ago, we churned a lot of the roster. We brought back a lot of those veterans on one-year deals again simply because it worked the first time. We, we accomplished what we wanted to. We were not great, and we, we don't necessarily want to be great again this year, so let's bring those guys back. Okay, fine. But now we've had a really good draft class, five contributors, it seems like. It seems likely five contributors. Um, also, there's going to be some guys in free agency we can bring in. We don't not, not spend a ton of money, but quality guys. Someone Players between the ages of 24 and 28 who are looking for two or three-year deals, decent signing bonuses, things of that nature, and one more draft. But after this second draft, if we get another five contributors, okay, that means on each side of the ball there are five guys that we are excited about watching play that we are excited about getting contributions from, that's what most teams that are playing for Super Bowls have. So at that point, we need to then start saying, what do we need to tweak to move from middle of the league to top of the league? And I think that that's really important not to just go, well, let's go through three more drafts to keep restocking the fridge. I don't want a full fridge. I want to be a winner. And so... I think it's important to remind ourselves that in the NFL, it's very easy to turn over a roster very quickly because most of this money isn't truly promised to people. Well, and that's where that, that quarterback position, I think, is going to make the biggest difference. And that's why you Absolutely. want a that's lot the of one shots we get right. at that dartboard. Yeah, and we do have a lot of shots. With all these draft picks, let's say we draft a guy – and then we go into the next draft, and there's not necessarily someone in the first round we love. We could trade one of those two picks out of the first round, et cetera, et cetera. And when we trade it out, we could trade it for one or two years down the road to give us more picks down the road if we have to swap out the quarterback spot. And then every two or three years, we're drafting a quarterback until we find the one we want. But in the meantime, if the rest of this roster is good enough, we can Rex Grossman our way into a playoffs. Like, I don't... I don't want to sit around and go, well, until we get the quarterback right, like we're not going to be that team. No, no, we need to be that team, and then the quarterback can show up. Well, I mean, the difference between them and like a Carolina, too, is that Carolina is setting their fans up for, hey, get ready for some really rough years versus, I mean, I get that it no. doesn't translate to wins, and I know that there aren't moral victories, but they are competitive in games. The Panthers are saying, hey, it's going to be a while before we're competitive, and the Texans are – they're all one-score games. So but let me, they're but competitive let me, right now, which I think is a, a, a big difference. But let me push back against that, not what you said specifically, but just the Panthers setting it up. When Sean Payton took over the Saints, their very first year they won nine games. Um, when the guy took over the Bills their first year, they only won the new coach. They only won five games that first year, but they were a different football team. You could see it on the field. You could see it in the product. These guys remake rosters quick when they come in. 
when when good coaches come in, they look at the roster and right away they know if they have guys or not, and right away they go to the GM and they go, these aren't the guys. So I don't I push back against it when 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 owners and teams say stuff like. Hey guys, let's be patient. Let's be calm. In other sports, maybe with the Rockets, with their rebuild, with the Astros, with theirs, it's different. But with the way the NFL is built, where every year one team kind of comes from the bottom and jumps unexpectedly to the top, and the way rosters, the way the money is set up in this league, where you can cut guys, you can give a guy a sixty million dollar contract, you can cut him after paying him fifteen million of it, and have five million in dead cap. Uh, three years from now, and that's that's the end of the whole sixty million dollar experience. I don't necessarily believe that it takes any three, four, ten year. You can turn a team around in one or two years. Now it involves knowing what you're doing, which a lot of these times when you go and hire these young coaches, they don't know what they're doing. Um, and a lot of times you got to make changes that you're not necessarily want to make. Like look at the Rams. The Rams built a really talented roster. But Jeff Fisher was the head coach. And the second they went from Jeff Fisher to Sean McVay, the same team got better. So I think that there's a real – I have a real problem when owners say, give us five or six years. I I, I have a real shaggy Scooby, whoa, 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 whoa? Like, what are they <laughs> talking about? Like, it doesn't – it shouldn't take that long to rebuild if you know what you're doing in the NFL. And you can showcase that when you circle good coaches – when good coaches come to teams, first of all, when a coach who cares comes to a team, you could see the roster turnover. But then when it's a good coach, the roster turnover results in wins. Or at least a change in the culture. When Marvin Lewis came to the Bengals, the Bengals used to not even buy uh, personal protection equipment for their players. A first-round draft pick bought cups for the entire team one year. Because he came from a college that cared about his players, and when he got to the Cincinnati Bengals and was like, hey, Where's all, like, the socks and stuff like that? And guys are like, you bring that stuff from home, bro. That's crazy. I, That's crazy. While while what you're saying is true in, in a coach and a, a coaching staff can have a tremendous impact on a culture and that in turn can have a tremendous impact on a franchise, it is important to remember this is still a year – I know that Texas fans have had a few years of bad football here, but this is yeah. year one of the Lovey Smith tenure. We're, we're in year one right now. Uh, yeah, and... but you can already see a Lovey Smith signature on this team. And I want to kind of stress true. that. That's why I do think I do think Lovey Smith is a good coach because this defense from last year to this year is vastly different, incredibly competitive, and they're doing things that we talked about earlier in this show, like the front four are getting after quarterbacks, are making, are making it harder to stay back there and throw. Even if we don't actually sack quarterbacks, we're getting a lot of pressures our front four is doing things that let our young secondary look good. And I think that that's important to note that there are, while the team is bad, it is bad. The whole the entire offensive line is bad. But it's only one year in, but they did make massive changes to this roster. And you do see big improvements in certain things. That's true. And none of it matters if you don't have a guy at quarterback. Which is why well, all of this is kind of staged. It matters a lot less. It matters draft. a lot less. Let's say that. It matters a lot less. I don't want to say it doesn't matter. Because if we filled a top five defense, even if we finish four and what would that make us with the extra game now? Four and fourteen, four and thirteen. Even if we finish four and thirteen, but our defense does finish top five, that shows a lot about this team and these guys and their character, and it shows a lot about the guys we should be keeping and developing. 
Yeah, it, which is staging for that the, that shot at this quarterback draft class next year. Yeah. It's it's all I, I would say it's all kind of it's kind of like the the first half of a, a new TV show where you're you're staging and you've got some pieces that you like you got some stuff that's a little weird maybe like there's one episode that really stinks but it's all setting up for when you really get to the meat of that and I think with next year's draft class that quarterback class coming into the draft next year uh potentially unless we have some surprises that end up staying in college I uh, I think you're staging for that because there's going to be a lot uh at least it looks like there's going to be a lot of guys that are that guy at quarterback coming into the league next year through the draft and so uh all that good stuff that you're talking about that that potential that you're seeing it's all staging for a team like the Texans it's all staging for what they hope to have next year through that draft can can I give you one name so far from college football that I really love and I don't know if he's going to be a quarterback or not. I think someone's going to change his position. Uh, but the quarterback for New Mexico State, or I think it's New Mexico, is a guy named Martinez. And he runs up and down the field. Uh, he's been doing it now for Are like five Are you talking five, Adrian Martinez? I believe so. He's done it for like five years now. He's a senior this year. And he has been – He I, have, I don't catch a lot of uh, college football games, but I have seen him in three or four different games over the years where he is poised, the guy runs amazingly uh, for, especially like for on a bad-ish team, you know he's going to have to run and defenses still can't game plan for it, kind of a runner quarterback guy. I really enjoy watching him play. I hope he goes pro and I hope like... In Are you quarter, talking K-State's quarterback, yes, Adrian State. Martinez, yeah, the yeah, transfer yeah. for Nebraska? Nebraska? Yes, I enjoy watching that guy run the ball, man. I really do. I hope he. I hope third or fourth round. Maybe he's a receiver. Maybe he's an X factor type guy. You use him in a bunch of. Maybe he's our Taysom Hill type guy. I would love like in a fourth round to get him. No, he can chop it up. He's good, and he's got a nice a nice build to to he sustain. Is. He's a big too. stocky dude, but he runs like a gazelle. That guy. I've just I've been thinking like trying to think of quarterbacks that I would like to see on this team for the last couple of weeks because we've been starting to kind of talk about it. And I'm not yet looking at the top guys yet. I want to see how the whole year plays out and how they all do. But looking at guys like in the bottom half of a draft, somebody you might be able to steal and things like that, and that's where this guy comes in, I think I like him a lot. I think it would be cool to get him in a somewhere between third and fifth round and have him come in and help out. I mean, top of the draft, it's C.J. Stroud. Uh, That's what everyone's saying. It's... That's what everybody's saying. I'd like to see how it all plays out before. Like, I mean – if he crumbles under the pressure somewhere between here and there, that's going to be relevant. I he he has played in those pressure games though already, and he's got that bigger body. I know Bryce Young is one of the other guys, but gosh. yeah, I I don't know. I want to see how. Like I he's said, I want to see how the, he weighed in a buck eighty at SEC at the SEC press day stuff. So when the when the year is over and they all go to the combine, I know they won't throw, but they'll measure out against each other and all that stuff. That'll tell me a little bit more too. I want to see like who's actually, who really is, you know, bigger, tougher, stronger. So all that kind of some of that stuff. I want to get their actual real combine measurements and then go from there. You know, earlier Corey, you mentioned the defense. I actually have a question for you about the defense. But oh, okay. before we get right. to that, quickly to finish things out, let's hear from a couple more sponsors. 
Yeah, absolutely. Let's talk about Splat Zone. It's time to trade in your masks for face masks. Load up the hoppers and go to war with your friends. Too hot? Too rainy? Too cold? Splat Zone has you covered. Literally. It's Splat Zone Indoor Paintball. Round up the family and get to 11260 Hempstead to check out Splat Zone Indoor Paintball today. 11260 Hempstead. Splat Zone Indoor Paintball. Splat Zone is a great low-impact family-friendly experience. And if you use their website to make reservations, you can get 5% off by using the code Battle Red Splat. And that's all one word. Uh, and also, let me tell you guys to go to The Adventure Begins, Comics, Games, and More. The Adventure Begins, Comics, Games, and More is at 525 Woodland Square Boulevard, Suite 130 in Conroe, Texas. It's the Marcel Town Center. And more importantly, they now have The Adventure Begins Stadium. It's on the second floor. There's stairs inside the building. There's stairs outside the building. Either way, you get up to that second floor, and you're hanging out at their sports memorabilia store. They've got sports memorabilia, sports cards, sports goods, all those kind of things right there for you to check out. A lot of it, some of it's signed, but it's all right there in the Adventure Begins Comics, Games, and More Stadium. The staff is very knowledgeable. They know what they're doing. It's a family-friendly, well-lit place. Uh, you go up there, you might buy a pack of cards, and it might have one of those very rare one-of-ones that are worth tens of thousands of dollars, and you just changed your whole life because you bought a $20 pack of cards. So make sure to go to the Adventure Begins Comics, Games, and More and check out the, sta the stadium on the second floor. Get yourself some sport cards or some sports memorabilia today. Let them know Nerd Thug Radio sent you, or Battle Red Radio sent you also. Come hang out right there at The Adventure Begins, Comics, Games, and more. Corey, my question for you is... False. Is the Texans... <laughs> See. Is the Texans defense good? Oof. Oh, man. Uh, that got a lot harder before you... Uh, it was easier before you finished. Um, is, the, is, it, is it actually a good defense? They know, rank... We joke... I, before you give me the rankings, from the eye test, we are okay, probably... Okay, eye test it. I'm going to say that defensively, our numbers probably go... Our rushing numbers are bad. So I would say our rushing numbers are probably below number 18 in the league. Our passing numbers are probably top 10. And our pressures are probably top 10. How did I do? So... <laughs> It's actually even more – it's all over the place. Okay, give me, it, there's give me no a category. Easy answer. It, give me a category and tell me if I can guess correctly like where they rank. Okay, so let's go overall yards. Yards against, uh, they are probably – because of the rushing, they're probably like right in the middle, like 15 to 20. They're top four worst ah. yards against. Oh, worst. Oh. Oh. Okay. I was top over four in – was, Most yards allowed. I was overly optimistic. Okay. All right. Top four. Uh, in passing, they rank 11th most yards allowed. In rushing, it's fourth most oh. yards allowed. That's what really kills them. But then now they swing the other huh? way. Yeah. Nobody scores against us. They swing the other way. We, we've mentioned this before. They're 13th in scoring defense points per game allowed. And their red zone percentage is still in the top five. They're right at number five in their red zone percentage. And so you have a team that gives up a lot of yards, a lot, a lot of yards. And they let these drives go. And part of it is probably that they're out on the field so long. We talked about how bad their offense is, is staying on the field. But they have this bend, don't break mentality. We, You've seen teams... 
I, I feel like there's a couple of teams every year or every couple of years where the the defense it's heralded as a a positive that they have a bend don't break mentality and then it turns out later in the season that that turns to to, to bite them and the end was like oh they were out on the field way too much for the first two months of the season and now they're just getting uh boat raced every single week november and december uh and then there's some teams where you know that's just their that's just they buckle down in the red zone things get tighter and they just step up and they make plays and it actually works out for them so what are you expecting coming out of the bye? What are you expecting? Are you expecting this team to continue playing like this and just they've found a groove and what works for them? Or is this going to actually bite them is maybe a better a better question. Well, no, I, I definitely didn't think the yards was that bad because the scoring stays so low. But I guess it just goes back to the fact that a lot of teams have kicked a lot of field goals against us. Um you know, so they get down into that red zone, and then we and then we do hold. So I, it's never a good thing to let them get into the red zone because a lot of times that is points, no matter how you slice it. Uh, you got to get the got to get the team to do something stupid like Denver and go for it on four plays in a row. Um, or you know, you, you you've got to really, it's a struggle once you let them into the red zone. It's it, but it also that is where the reason they call it the red zone is it's so important. Scoring is what wins games. So it's huge to be able to keep teams from being able to score touchdowns. That's, that's, that is a very important thing to do. I would say that it's probably not something we should keep doing, but I feel like it's something we're going to keep doing because here's what's, here's what's important about defenses that hurt us. Linebackers are important to slow and stop the run and intermediate pass. The defensive line's job is to stop short passes like uh screens and stuff and you stop that by by dirtying the pocket by holding up the runners things of that nature the linebackers are there to cover that zero to six yard window short and they're also there to fill gaps on run plays and stop runners from cutbacks if everyone plays their lane and plays their assignment between the linebackers and the linemen there's nowhere for a runner to run our linebackers don't do a good job of shedding blocks and getting back to the gaps and getting back to their assignments. And it's because they're sub average linebackers. They're not good linebackers. We we're probably, if somebody, whoever ranks linebackers like pro football or whatever, they probably have each of our individual linebackers ranked probably below 25 at all three spots. Um, What that means is our corners have to cover longer. Uh, what that means is our corners also have to be aware that if it's a run play, Stingley Jr. has to run back and make one of his 20 tackles in a row. Um, you know, it, 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 we have to – the defense is kind of covering up for the linebackers. And once you get into the red zone, you can definitely do that because all the zones overlap. The gaps all overlap. It's a much tighter game, and that plays back to our advantage because even if you're – even if you are upfield blocking one of our linebackers – there's no upfield to block in because it's in it's it's in the end zone, so it works in our favor still. You can clog those holes with their own blockers because there's nowhere to go because it's all in the end zone. It's all at the one yard line or whatever it is. So uh, our linebackers are a big problem. They're not going to get any better this year. Now, perhaps when Christian Harris comes in, he can improve one of those three spots. But overall, I I don't 
there's not an easy solution for what ails our linebackers. And because of that, I don't I don't see where they're going to get better significantly this season. Uh, unless we just keep playing bad teams. Like, we've got Washington and Oakland coming, or Las Vegas coming up. We've got Cleveland coming up. We've got, I mean, we've got a lot of teams who aren't going to move the ball very well coming up. We've got, we've still got three more games against uh, Jacksonville, Indianapolis, and uh, Tennessee. And a fourth game against Tennessee. So we've got, I mean, we've got opportunities to play a lot of bad offenses. We don't have a lot of great offenses on our schedule. So maybe the bend, don't break can continue. But there's a cumulative effect of constantly being out there. And so that is kind of a concern. There are a couple of things I would like to note, too. First of all, the pressure percentage uh, for the team. It has, after a couple of weeks to start the season, being in the top half of the league. They are pretty middle of the road right now in their pressure percentage uh, numbers. But that's going to that's gonna uh, be the case and, because they're only using their front four to do it. We don't blitz a lot. They don't blitz a lot. But the other interesting thing is that as far as takeaways, they rank 10th in the NFL yes, in, in total takeaways. So That is a Lovey Smith if, trademark, by the way. Takeaways. But if that pressure if that pressure percentage continues to drop along with the takeaways, I think you might see the defense starting to break more than bend a little oh. bit. I think I think that their their early success with not while not having to blitz kind of gave them some extra presented possessions kind of bailed them out of some uh some turnovers now maybe if they figure out ways to scheme up some more pressure or scheme up turnovers maybe that is just the makeup of this team is it's a lovey smith defense that's going to figure out when their backs against the wall how to bail themselves out of that position over and over again and that's the makeup of the team but if they if those two numbers drop i think you see them uh, I think you see them middle as far as some of those statistics that are really top level uh, in the league, which I get is is kind of a roundabout way to say uh, the next couple of weeks will tell you what how much to believe in their defense. But I, I think that that'll be the tell is a couple of key categories. Well, I mean, we have the luxury. I, I mean, Washington's coming up on the schedule, right? What, when is that? Two, three weeks? Wait a second. I have the schedule on a different tab here. They play Washington November 20th. That's a few weeks out. Still. Okay, and uh, what's what's the next game? What is our very next game? They have the Raiders. That's right. Okay, so we're going to we They're go to, on the we road. Go to Las Vegas. Uh, the Raiders, while they do score, they also struggle. They, they're going to play people close. They don't, they don't pull away from teams. That's sort of the other thing, too. Who we play is going to matter. So if we play four weeks of football where we play guys who don't pull away, who don't take advantage of leads who don't know how to play winning football yet, like the Raiders, then we're going to be able to, these stats will persist. Four man rushes will work. Turnovers will happen. We'll get into the red zone and we'll force field goals. When we play teams like the chiefs who score, when we play teams like Tampa Bay who finish drives and understand the importance of finishing drives, it'll be a different story. Um, and I don't have the schedule up right now, so I'm not sure. But I feel like we play a lot more teams who don't finish than do finish right now. And if that's the case, we might finish right where we're at right now for the season. 
It's going to be weird because the next three games, Raiders, Titans, Eagles, all three of those teams have given as good as the Eagles have been. They've given up a lot of leads in fourth quarters and the Titans have been all over the place. The interesting thing, which is where the pendulum swings the other way, is that for the Eagles and Titans side of things, that's like their worst nightmare for this run defense. <laughs> no, <laughs> so, honestly, I think, uh, it might it might just all balance out. <laughs> I think we've already seen our worst nightmare. Uh, the Bears had 280 yards rushed against us. I don't think anything like that will ever happen again. I think that was – I promise you there is no way anyone on the defensive side of the ball was happy at film study like Monday, Tuesday or whatever it was. There's no way Lovey Smith was cool with that. There's no way anybody within the organization on the defensive side of it was cool with that because the numbers dropped drastically the next week. Um, now, granted, <laughs> the numbers should drop drastically the next week, but the 280 is what's killed. That that Bears game was that was a war crime on rushing stats. Like our defensive rushing stats are going to suffer for the next four weeks because of that. Uh, there's just no getting around it. You got to. It's everything's an average, and they put up almost 300 yards of rushing in one game. So, uh, just uh, just mentally, mentally prepare, mentally prepare, because that's what's going to happen against. The you Eagles. know what, Colton? You mentally prepare because if the Texans come into the Philadelphia Eagles and they win or lose a 21 to 17 affair, where the total offense on both sides is under 280 for each team then you're going to have to eat those words. Dude, that's on a short week after playing Derrick Henry. They played Derrick Henry on October 30th, and then on a Thursday, they play the Eagles running. Do you know why that might actually be a good thing? On a third. Because we don't have to install any different, like, we can just keep the same run checks in place. Like, just run the same run, just run everything the same that we did against Tennessee, just run it against Philly, too. Like, the... Running the same stuff for Tannehill or, or for Jalen Hurts that you ran for no, no. Tannehill. No, no. I mean, all your, is, all your, all your running lane uh, it's assignments. A, like, it's a suicide I mean, mission. All your running lane assignments. Like, all your rush defense stuff. All your all your defensive line calls and all that. You could, you could just leave them the same because both teams want to run the ball a lot. A lot, a lot, a lot. I know, but the the style is very I – think, I think the Eagles game is, is probably going to be a bloodbath. A bloodbath. Uh, Nico – Nico, turn the turn the microphone on. Producer Nico, we haven't heard from your old yeah. show. Are you buying or are you are you waiting to buy <laughs> on the Eagles or I mean, excuse me, on the Texans defense? Uh, I think this I think this defense, while its numbers are in, honestly way worse than I thought they were, um, I think that's a good sign because uh, they they have me convinced they're good. Well, that's the tough part too is that the the numbers there you can find just as many surprisingly good numbers as surprisingly bad numbers for this defense and that's why i asked the question because it's I, i'm not exactly sure where i fall on them either because they, they're still seem kind of all over the place well and that's going to be the nature of this year for us we're going to be a a shrug True. are we good team are we good team are we we won't we won't really know that we're going to finish this year probably three games under 500 four games under 500, but have six or seven games that we could have won, you know, if we circled three or four different plays. Like the Colts game is already one that I refuse to let go that we should have won. We were literally up with five minutes left in the fourth quarter by more than a score, and somehow we still wind up in a tie. You know what I mean? Like there's going to be games like that over and over and over again. 
I still don't understand how we lost the Denver game. Like, <laughs> what have we done? So what that's what's going to happen to this year is we won't we won't finish great, and then we'll kind of be looking around like, well, are we bad or was it just missed opportunities? And it's just the fact is that we're just a team that's probably a little too far away talent wise. I think that's the the best way to put that of of anything we've said about the defense. I think that's the best way to to melt it down. And I think that's as good a spot as any to end and and jump into the weekend. Boys, that's it for us here at Battle Red Radio. Thanks for joining us. Corey DLG, our, my co-host. Wait, 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 Colton. Colton, wait. You have a major pick for the bye week. What do you think? <laughs> I think they win the bye week. I think. I, I like their chances, but it was a it was a tough I, one. I, I think that I, I think said, it's good vibes. Good vibes going into in the bye row. week because it's their first yeah. win. Yeah, that's what I said. They're gonna roll with that momentum. They're not gonna lose two weeks in a row. I feel my good pick about is that. good vibes for the bye week. <laughs> my goodness. <laughs> All right, man. Good to have you back. Colton. Good to be back. Good to be back. He's. My co-host, Corey DLG. We have producer Nico. I'm Colt Molesky, and thank you so much for listening to another installment of Battle Red Radio. I'll be back Sunday night, Monday morning with a recap of NFL action from the weekend. And make sure that you're subscribing to this podcast as well as going out and checking out the Battle Red blog as well.